Hello friends and welcome to the show. This episode of HR Oxygen is brought to you by Boss Builders University. If you're looking to train up your supervisors and managers, please check out our newest offering, The Art of Being a Great Boss. In this 13-month program, I'll be taking your managers through our driving results curriculum, and that includes topics on communication, performance management, motivation, delegation, problem solving, decision making, team development, and much, much more. The sessions are virtual, running one hour each month, and I'll do it using our popular sketch and seminar, graphic art and storytelling format. No boring PowerPoints, stale stories, and outdated tools and techniques. The sessions are engaging and provide tactical, practical tools that can be used immediately after the sessions. You can either have your entire organization take our program, or if you just have a few folks, join one of our open enrollment cohorts that start every other month. For more information, visit us online at thebossbuilders.com. As we start thinking about moving the workforce back to normal work, the big question, of course, is what is the new reality, the new complexities of work and the workforce going to be? Well, actually, nobody really knows for certain, but we do have some folks that know some things. And that is the case with our guest today. Alexa Beavers has been on our show several times before, but this is a new area of focus for her practice. We talked about how to really move people back into the workplace, specifically around the amount of changes they're going to be experiencing. So it's not just moving people back to the office, it's dealing with all the emotions around it. Alexa knows this business really well, and we were fortunate to have her. So why don't we let her do the talking? It's time to buckle that seatbelt. We're going to taxi off to the runway. It's time for us to take off. Should the cabin lose pressure, oxygen masks will drop from the overhead area. Please place the mask over your own mouth and nose before assisting others. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the HR Oxygen Podcast, the show focused on the overworked, overwhelmed, and underappreciated HR professional. And now, here is the host of our show, the boss builder, Mac Monroe. Alexa Beavers, welcome back to the show. Hi, Mac. It's so nice to be back here with you. It really is. It's like last time I think we got together, we were in the middle of the pandemic and we were all trying to figure out what life's going to be like. Things have clarified a little bit. Now we're not dealing with complete mud. There's a little bit of water in the mud. It's starting to become clearer. But what I've discovered is that nobody really has solid answers. We have ideas. And so that's what I'm hoping that we can talk about today. What is going to be involved in navigating the new complexities of work and the reopening after COVID? You've got some ideas and you've been already doing some work in here. So you know more than most. We're anxious to hear what you have to say, anxious for the advice that you'll be giving us. But before we do that, for those who have just tuned in to HR Oxygen, Please tell us about yourself and what you do, especially about your very unique company name. Oh, thanks, Mac. Yeah, so um, my name is Alexa Beavers and my company's name is the Excella Group. And part of the reason that we chose that name is because of what we do with human beings. So we are uh, really looking after people and hoping to help them bring their best selves, especially during times of change. And we do that by helping them through executive coaching, team facilitation and team development sessions, and also through organizational change consulting. And to be really uh, adept at that uh, work and navigating change, it takes looking in the mirror. So we 
have taken my name, Alexa, and turned it in backwards, the Excella Group, because it signifies how we help leaders to take a good look in the mirror so they can bring their best selves no matter what change is coming their way. Um, so you can imagine with the pandemic, um, we've had a lot of opportunity to help people shine in times that they may have never imagined. Well, I guess it's not a matter of looking at things backwards. It's like everybody took all the letters of their name, scrambled them up and dumped them on the table like Scrabble. So who knows, <laughs> your name could be like Lexia or something after you that way, but we wouldn't want you to change your name anymore. That's actually really, really cool. This is a big issue though. And I know that our audience right now, especially at this time of year, so we can go ahead and date stamp this, Today is June the 2nd of 2021. Companies are now realizing at some point we're going to have to do something different. And now everybody's concerned about what's it going to look like? Are we all going back? Are some going back? How are we going to handle all the fact that a lot of people have physically moved out of their regions? Now they're comfortable setting up virtual offices. And now everybody's going to be under pressure to come back and come up with answers. I don't know the answers. You probably know a lot of the answers that I don't, or at least have better ideas. So as you are considering this, what are you starting to see now as some of the challenges that companies are facing with return to work? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of challenges. And you know, you say, Alexa, I don't have all the answers. I don't have all the answers either. But I think the beginning of finding answers is getting into conversation. So I'm really happy that we can do that today. One of the things that ha we do at the Excel Group is we have conversations with our clients. And through those conversations, we uncover some of their biggest questions. So I'm happy to be able to share some of those with you. One of the biggest questions is, how do I keep my team from burning out. Um, a recent DDI report stated that 85% of high potential leaders right now in 2021 in June are at a risk of burnout, 85% of them. And leaders are oftentimes those who set the tone for the work group. Um, so that is a theme that we're seeing. People are saying, how do we manage burnout after a whole year of pandemic? And then we have new changes coming at us to figure out how do we face the next chapter of this and what does that look like? So that's one big one. Another one is that people are afraid of the changes that are coming. Um, it's almost like my clients have forgotten how resilient they've been over this last year or so. And just think about it, not 18 months ago, Mac, you and I were sitting back carefree and then along came COVID and rocked our world. It changed our health. It changed our how we socialize with each other. It changed our routines and our boundaries. And guess what? So many of our workplaces, all my clients adapted to that. But now that they're like, what are we going to do now? They seem, they seem a little bit scared of what's to come. And I like to remind them, um, if you are a fan of Karate Kid, like I am and my kids are now, Mr. Miyagi said, it's okay to lose to opponent, not okay to lose to fear, something like that. So he said, don't lose to an opponent, but don't, it's okay to lose to an opponent, but don't lose to fear. And that's what I try to help my clients to think about is how do you overcome the fear that's facing us now? That's interesting. You know, we could go maybe two years ago and leaders were still feeling burnt out back then. I know that because that's we're in the business of helping them, not through coaching, but through training. But now all of a sudden they're reaching a new level. Is this the same burnout they had before? Or is this a whole new level of burnout on top of what was already burned up? Great question. This is actually a whole new level of burnout. And that's because our work worlds and our personal worlds collided like 
no other time in history. So remember when we used to talk about that thing called work-life balance? I mean, that's that's almost a farcical thing to say because our work worlds and our life worlds have totally, totally integrated with one another. So the amount of pull and questions you need to answer and challenges that people faced in one compressed time frame have really contributed to the burnout levels that we're seeing now. That coupled with the amount of uncertainty that's being thrown at us at any given moment of any given day increases that burnout feeling among um, some really talented workers who give their all um, often because they're passionate, but then that passion runs out because they're just so exhausted. Is it the uncertainty about what's coming next that's driving this? Or is it just that people have been pushing hard for so long? It's just now because a lot of people's, I mean, you and I, our careers are very different now. We've got a lot more time to reflect on things. Or before we were running hard, is it because now we're overthinking what we're going into? Or before we just blindly put one foot in front of the other and then one day woke up and said, God, I'm tired. Or is it now we're yeah. aware? I think burnout is a um, very personal thing. But, you know, the World Health Organization declared burnout a real, real thing before the pandemic. And they declared it because that was workplace stress that had gone unchecked. Um, and whatever the stressors are, whether it's the fear of what's coming, whether it's working many more hours in the day and not getting rest and time to rejuvenate, those are both contributors to workplace stress. The good news about that to my clients is the part of the definition of burnout that says that the stress that has gone unchecked, you can address the burnout by working on managing your energy, your well-being, and managing um, your thinking around the um, the fearful kind of uh, things that are coming our way that cause fear. Is it just the uncertainty of the workforce that's driving this? Or are you seeing some of your clients also impacted by just social events? Because I mean, you could basically take COVID out of what happened last year. And that there was already enough stressful things going on in the environment. You could have taken COVID and George Floyd out of the equation. And I think things were still stressful and uncomfortable. So is it just that we've been hammered with everything, including the kitchen sink? Or are we getting just weaker as human beings? What do you think about that? I firmly believe that we're just as resilient or even more resilient than we were before. I think there's a lot of intersectionality. Um, and that's what's contributing to the compounding nature of stress in our world today. Sure, take out COVID. We still had um, the George Floyd's mur murders and the social justice movement that we really needed to pay attention to. It was a wake up call for us. And I think that has been here all along, but it's been crystallized in our vision because of the pandemic and where we were. And then there is the adjusting to different work routines, worrying about our health, practicing different ways of working so we can protect our health and that of our loved ones. All of those compounded at an intersection create a lot of um, new stress for our bodies and our minds to manage. So where are you seeing this? I know you are a coach. Are you seeing this in your coaching interventions or 
Is this what you're hearing from clients just as topical conversation? Where are you getting some of the reactions from folks? Yeah, so I mentioned that in our work, we have conversations. We have conversations as we engage in change management consulting. We have those conversations as a, I have those conversations as a coach. And I also have those conversations when we're looking at upskilling our workforce and building capability to face this world that we're, we're having now. So it's coming up in all of the ways that we engage with our clients, whether it's change management consulting, in coaching conversations, or helping their teams to be more effective, because it's saturating all the ways we work as teams, as individuals, and in trying to get things done through our jobs. So it's coming up everywhere. So when you're upskilling, what are the kinds of things that you're now building with people? I've never that's heard that word question. before, so talking, that's kind of curious, yeah. Oh, yeah. When I was talking about the themes before, I didn't share a couple of the other themes. One of them was the practical challenges of working in a hybrid environment. And even though a lot of folks have been working um, remotely, there is, are still many blended environments at work that happened through COVID and even in-person environments. I did some work um, with an organization of... Um, law enforcement officers and and they were um, saying, you know, we don't have the luxury of always being in our home office. We still have to go out and support folks. So they were really learning um, how to um, manage where some of their support staff are working from home and they are maybe out in the field or doing things like that. So um, what we're noticing is that we are helping people to communicate in blended environments where some people are right there in front of your face and some people are um, on the computer screen. And what happens when you have a group of employees that are side by side with you and you have some that are on the screen? How do you make sure to create inclusive and equitable conversations when the technology itself creates a bit of a divide? So that's one of the things we've really been working on, um, whether it's in virtual world, hybrid world, or in person, is upskilling people to be better conversationalists. And I'd like to stay away from the word communicators because it really conveys a one-way kind of bit way of talking. I like people to think about themselves as being a part of a conversation that isn't a one-time event, that is ongoing on a regular basis. So that's one of the things we've been working on. So for a conversationalist, I mean, is it really aimed at all levels of an organization or do we want the senior leaders to be better conversationalists so that the employees can better relate or are you spreading this across all areas of the organization? Well, let me ask that back to you. What do you think would happen if only the leaders were having a conversation? Well, between each other, then I'd wonder what the hell are they talking about in there? But I was just <laughs> thinking maybe, you know, training them on how to better communicate to a workforce. Um, I mean, is that the the nature of it that you're working with them or is it, are you trying to improve their within the executive team? Because ah. just send them off on a golf trip, they'll all be happy, but that's not going to help the average person. Are you working to like make the top down more effective or? Yeah, absolutely. So what we're really working on with leaders is not thinking about it in terms of I'm telling you what to do, but to spur a conversation that invites multiple voices to the table, whether that voice is on the computer, whether that voice is right there in front of you and in service of the work that you're doing that invites them in a safe way to contribute what's on their mind. So that could be 
uh, leader to leader side by side, but that also could be leader to direct report. It could be direct report to leader and vice versa. It just creates um, a multi-way kind of uh, sense of communication where people's points of view are heard and then leaders have an opportunity um, to work with the team members to make something of that. Are you finding that leaders are open to that sort of upskilling or are they giving you lip service and saying, okay, this is dumb. I'm not going to do this as soon as Alexa's gone. Sometimes it's a little mind blowing. Like what I'm coming across is leaders are open to the idea until there is a crisis. And then they need to switch into a mode that they're pretty familiar with, which is more kind of directive. Um, what we're trying to do is create a distinction so that leaders can decide when do I use one, when do I need to get into a conversation and when do I need to be more directive? So oftentimes we find that while they're finding their new legs, they're not always sure quite when to pull out the conversation versus when to be more directive and, and telling. Um, so it's not that they don't want to, it's about kind of getting good at making the distinctions and pulling the right approach out at the right time. Is it going to be easier to do that now that people don't have the regular, I mean, not that we always had FaceTime with senior mm -hmm. leaders because they may operate in a different location, but I always think about when, you know, when we were in high school, something <laughs> like that. But remember like in the summertime is when you could make a radical change, right? You could work out or you could lose weight or change your hair or whatever it was. And then you come in on, you know, September and everybody says, oh, you look better this year. It's like you could do it because we've not been together. Is that what it's going to take? Because my fear is that employees don't forget. If they remember their senior leaders were very, you know, top down control and, you know, that sort of thing. And then suddenly they come out as more sensitive. Do you think they have a shot because they have not had a lot of exposure to their work teams? Well, I, I don't know if that is true that they haven't had a lot of exposure. What I've noticed is that some of the engagement with their work teams through this pandemic has actually gone up. A lot of my clients have instituted kind of let's have daily standups or one-on-ones. And so I don't know if it's going to be like coming back and saying, oh, I'm a whole new me. But what I do think is that it's important for leaders to and employees to say, okay, here, where are we now? What do we know about where we are now? What are, what can we consider doing different? How will we adapt and try? And what do we want to do to take it to the next level? So at doing that constant kind of um, see where we are, consider different approaches, adapt, will, will help folks to norm. The other thing is it's, it's very um, disconcerting for folks to see a leader kind of change on a dime and it probably won't feel very natural. So what I encourage my uh, clients to do is say, hey, I'm trying something on purpose that's a little different and let people in on the secret about why, why are you doing it? And then you won't have a bunch of people scratching their head and making up stories about what's going on with, with Mac. But instead they'll say, oh, you know what? Mac's trying something new and he told me why. And I can understand why. And even if it's a bumpy road, I at least get the why. So I'll give a, cut them a little more slack. I might participate differently. I, I might be more ready to um, see what Mac wants to try now that I know the why. So that part does open doors for leaders that might be trying something new. Are you finding that a lot of leaders are open now to doing this 
or are they being forced by pressure from other people? I might be a very lucky consultant because the leaders that I get to work with share the viewpoint that the people in their midst are what really makes their companies work. Their teams are so important. And even if it's hard for them to do, they're committed to trying, trying to make a connection with their employees on a human level, trying to create a conversation about how are we going to go back to work, guys? What are we going to do now? What will the future look like? I want to hear from you at the end of the day. We might not all have our way, but let's get into a conversation because we're creating a new normal. So I do think that I'm lucky because the leaders that I get to work with have signed up for this. Hmm. Nobody's holding their, you know, feet over a fire. Nobody's sending them to you. They're coming to you. Yeah. Difference, isn't it? It is. You know, let's talk about change for a minute, because when COVID started becoming a thing, which is, you know, I guess February of 2020 is when people started to really get freaked out by it, because that's when my calendar started emptying out. So I figured that was the moment of panic that seemed to go really quick. And almost overnight, we had masks and we were desperately trying to find masks and all that stuff. And it's like somebody ripped a Band-Aid off. But the Band-Aid now seems to me that it's like the old way, like you rip a little bit, it tears the hairs on your arm, and then you get to the little gauze thing and it rips the scab up. And now we're on the other end of the Band-Aid. There's more arm hair. Is that how you're seeing change now? Or are you seeing this as more of another rip of the Band-Aid in the other direction? Well, I think it's really situational. But what I, what I notice is a more adaptive approach than ripping the Band-Aid off. In a way, we had to rip the Band-Aid off because we had very little choice in the matter with COVID. And now, over the course of the last year, we've been learning a little bit, taking a stepwise approach, seeing what happens in the workplace and in you know our world, and then trying again. And I think that's a really important skill as we walk back in. So it might feel like we're taking the Band-Aid off and pulling the hair just a little bit and it's painful, just a tiny bit painful. But the idea is that you lift it up just a little, you see what the data is telling you, you see what your team members are noticing, how they're performing, how they are feeling, how they are uh, showing up. And then you say, okay, is that working for us? Okay, let's do a little more. What are we, what's our new normal? What do we, what step do we wanna take next? So that iterative approach, I think, honestly, um, the last year, 2020 and a little of 2021, taught us to do that um, by design. And now I really hope that it's something that we don't lose because um, it's a, that adaptive learning approach will serve us as we take on more uncertainty moving back into blended work environments. What does the world look like um, at this stage of the pandemic, et cetera? When a company's thinking about this, do you recommend that they, because I remember this when I was in the Navy, we come up with an idea and the first thing I hear is, well, what are the other commands doing? I mean, is that the right approach to take here or should we focus on what is our individual needs? Let's not worry about what our competition's doing. Let's not worry about what the other industries are doing. From you, who, who is a change management expert, you know, what would you recommend? What should we be looking at? I think it's important to look at a number of factors, and I don't think that they can be sorted separately from each other, because even if we'd like to just put our um, 
our moat around us and say, what's best for us? We're still existing in a bigger ecosystem. So it's not necessarily bad advice to pick your head up and look about uh, what's happening with your other commands or your, um, but what is bad is to blindly accept what they're doing. Mm. So what I would say is do your, do your due diligence, see what those other commands are doing. Check out what your clients might be needing. Check out what your employees might be expressing. Um, how can they be the most effective? Find out all of those things through conversation, document them, and then use that as a starting point to say, all right, so what do we wanna do with this? What are we trying to achieve? And how can we do that in the construct of where we are now? And then make your own intentional step forward. So. It's not bad to look at what the other guys are doing. Not great to just mimic them though. Okay, yeah, that would make a lot more sense too. Are you getting the sense too after, so we've been, in, I mean, it didn't really impact me that much different except I don't fly very much anymore or at all for that matter, but people have gone from their normal routines of going to the office to now they're at home and most of their interaction takes place virtually. Do you think when people come back that they will be changed in how they, because I think we've, I mean, I've seen it. I've seen it with my own team. You know, we do early morning meetings and people show up just, they, you know, I mean, seven in the morning. So, you know, we roll out of bed. I've been in a bathrobe before. We've seen our team probably in a way we've never seen them before. Do you think that's going to impact how we get along with them once we go back when we've seen their cats walking on their shoulders and their kids screaming and raising hell in the back of the house. Is, do you think that'll impact how we see each other when we all come back? I hope so. I do. I think that the silver lining of some of this has been that we see each other as whole people. Mm -hmm. And when we just see each other at work, sometimes it's easy to put a person in a box and say, that's just the person that, um, you know, takes my report and edits it. Now you see that that's a whole person with a, a very complex life behind them, maybe pets, maybe family, maybe aspirations, maybe hobbies, maybe a favorite bathroom. I don't know, mm -hmm. but whole people. And I think that how we're going to get through this next chapter and thrive in it is by leveraging the power of acknowledging that we're all whole people. And we have such gifts that were hidden behind the fact that we didn't get to see into those parts of our world before. It's been a gift for uh, me to have other people be open to letting me see their cat walk across their keyboard or, and things like that. And I hope that we can remember that part of our humanity as we face some big challenges ahead, because I think it'll help us to be more empathetic, keep our listening ears open and cut each other some slack when we don't make the perfect step the first time. When it comes to individuals, so I, you know, I don't know my circle of friends is probably smaller because you know I'm somewhat isolated out here. But when COVID hit, I never read, I never ran into anybody that said, "Oh, thank God, I get to wear a mask." You know, thank God, I don't have to, you know, commute anymore. Everybody's like, "God, this is miserable." My whole routine was interrupted. Even me, who toward the end I was the most nasty business flyer you ever met. I was mean. I'd push people out of the way. I was frustrated all the time, angry, irritated. I hated my life, that part of it anyway. And yet when COVID hit, I missed it. I missed the navigating the airport. My wife, she gets mad because when we walk casually, she says, you walk like an old man, but in the airport, you walk like your ass is on fire. <laughs> and you know, you have that frantic pace and then it suddenly went away. And I think that was the case for everybody. 
But is there going to be people who say, I kind of miss my COVID life? The thing you would never think, because I didn't know anybody that said, oh, COVID is amazing. I love the fact I can be in my little apartment all day with my kids and all this stuff. Do you think there's going to be people that fight the change back to whatever normal is? I think that is very much a possibility. And I, I mentioned that fear was a big theme in my clients' cultures right now. Um, and that's because there's fear of the new unknown and the fear of, okay, I just got used to you know, having my kids homeschool here, I figured out this routine. We we quickly adapt as human beings and really appreciate that certainty that we've now built in our COVID world. And now we get the opportunity to say, oh, I need to adapt to a new way of working pretty quick after, I mean, not too entirely fast after we got loose to this last one. So that that type of kind of um, uncertainty leads to fear and it can lead to um, people not being at their best as they step into new situations. So I do think people will find things that they missed um, and will find wanting to cling to some of the things that became creature comforts for us um, during COVID. And I think that's very natural mm -hmm. because we as humans are so resilient that we can adapt to almost anything. And it just shows by, you know, the fact that we're now used to this. Um, and that, that can be scary to step out of that again. So I think what we've done is we've outlined the playing field. Number one, full of uncertainty, still a hint of danger. There's mm -hmm. people who have adapted to a new reality of virtual Zoom meetings, working a lot of extra hours. We've got senior leaders who are exploring different ways that they can become more empathetic, better uh, conversationalist. That's the word we're going to use now. So there's all these new things that are coming about. This suggests to me that it's going to be really tough to navigate. So Alexa, as a change management professional, and I don't want you giving away your trade secrets here, but for a, a, a company owner who's listening today or a CEO who's listening today or an HR professional who's listening today that gets told by their C-suite, look, you need to come up with a plan for this reintegration. Mm. I mean, what is the first step? Well, I mean, I know what the first step is. That's to call you. And we're going to get <laughs> to that in a minute. But like, where do you start? That is a great question. And I think you're right. People are going to be leading people into new territory again. And that involves leading change. And starting with thinking about it as not just a box to check or an order to give, but thinking about it as helping to engage others in joining you as you step into that new world is where it begins, is your whole mindset and your guideposts around how do we want this to really happen? So it all begins with setting an intention. What is our intention for how we bring people back to the, the workplace, for example? Once you begin with that intention, that vision, then you can work your way out from there. You can help others to see your vision. Ask them what it means to you. Our intention is to bring you back in a way that helps you to be productive and gets the best of um, what you got out of COVID and helps us to be together at the right times to do the right work for our clients. And then say, how would that look to you if we did that? You engage them then in the conversation. So it really starts with setting your intention. 
about how you're going to do that. And then involving others in the conversation so you can plan the way forward together. Because what I can tell you is no one person is so brilliant that they're going to figure it out themselves. And that's what change management is about. Understanding what the challenges are ahead of you, setting an intention or a vision, and then building a collective plan with the people that you need to bring along for the ride, because they're going to be the ones that make it work or not. Okay. Well, if I'm listening to this and I say, boy, that sounds great, but frankly, I don't even know how to get started. I really would rather have Alexa help us with that. Alexa, how do we find you? What's the best way to reach out to have you come and help us through this? Yeah, you can check us out on the excelagroup.com on the web, um, and you can reach us straight from our website. Um, all of our contact information is there, and, and you can spend uh, set up 15 or 20 minutes with me if you want to talk something through and say, how would we go about that? And we can build much more concrete plans that are tailored to your needs um, and really talk about what, what might be useful to you. Well, Alexa, I appreciate you taking time today to chat with us and to shine a flashlight on what most of us are kind of afraid to look at. But the good news is you're holding the light and I think we ought to follow you. So if you're listening today, please take Alexa up on this offer to engage for 15 minutes. See if she can help you. And if she can, use her because this is something that she knows a little bit more than us. That's enough to get us started. So Alexa, thanks for taking time today. We appreciate you. And uh, Look forward to seeing what amazing things you do as we all transition into whatever the next phase is going to look like. Thanks so much for having me, Mac. It's always fun to have a conversation with you. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the HR Oxygen Podcast. We hope you found something today that will relieve your stress, feed your soul, and pump you up to face another day. At Boss Builders, we want to let you know that we appreciate the hard work you do every day as an HR professional. And as a reminder, always make sure to adjust your own oxygen mask before attempting to help those around you. Be well.